Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Shalom. This is Rabbi Michael Petkowski, and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. Today we will be learning Tractate Psachim, page 74, Daf Ayin Dalet. Today we begin the seventh chapter of Masechet Psachim, Ketzad Solin, a chapter that discusses in detail laws regarding the Korban Pesach, the Passover offering. The title of our chapter, Ketzad Solin, How Do We Roast a Passover Offering?, addresses one of the requirements of the Korban Pesach, that it be roasted and not boiled or steamed. This requirement is based on the biblical verse, Exodus chapter 12, verse 9, Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted over the fire, with its head, legs, and inner organs. From this verse, the rabbis learned that the Korban Pesach had to be totally roasted, that any cooking by non-roasting means invalidated the sacrifice. The Mishnah begins by asking, How do they roast the Passover offering? They bring a spit of pomegranate wood and stick it through the carcass from the mouth to the buttocks. This is a vivid description of how the entire animal sacrifice was roasted on an open flame. And this chapter is filled with details about roasting animals and their inner organs. The Gemara entertains the possibility of other materials being used to hold the lamb while it was being roasted. Metal? No good. The metal itself would be cooking the meat and not the fire. A palm branch? No good. Its wood was of the sort that there might be water trapped in grooves, and that water would cook the meat and not the fire. As a continuation of the discussion about how the different parts of the sacrifice are cooked, The Gemara addresses the specific characteristics of the heart, not how we are feeling, but how the heart is cooked. One of the requirements related to eating and cooking the heart is that as much of the blood must be removed as possible. One way to do this was to salt the heart in order to remove some of the blood. Another was to slice the heart and to squeeze out the blood. The question is asked, how can the heart be permitted at all when it is cooked? Won't there still be blood present? The answer to this question was that the heart was permitted to roast and eat. And this is because of the principle that just as something is absorbed, so it is expelled. Kabbalo kach polto. In our case, this means that just as blood is absorbed into the heart, it is also expelled from it. The justification is rejected, and another reason was given. This is that the heart is so smooth that no blood is absorbed in its walls. It holds a lot of blood, but the blood is not absorbed. It's all on the outside. What I found very interesting about this discussion was that this terminology, just as something is absorbed, so it is expelled, and something being smooth and not absorbing, are used in discussions about the kashrut of vessels and utensils. However, something is absorbed, in the same manner is it expelled. If a vessel is made out of very smooth material, then it really doesn't absorb a forbidden substance. The Gemara then brings a few illustrative examples from the lives of the Talmudic rabbis. 
Rabin the elder put a dough paste over a roasted pigeon for Rav, and Rav said to him, If the paste is good, give it to me, and I'll eat it. What can we learn from this story? It seems that Rav ate the dough paste, even though there might have been some blood in it. Another story. Rabba came to the household of the Exilarch, and they put a paste of dough over a roasted duck for him. He said, If I didn't see that it is as clear as white glass, I wouldn't eat it. According to this story, Rabba was careful to eat only certain types of dough, limiting himself to dough that didn't absorb any blood. More examples of law and narrative being organically linked. The Talmud is full of disagreements between different rabbis, and a question that many people ask is, how are we supposed to decide between all of these different opinions? Often the Talmud does not point us in any specific direction, but sometimes it does tell us how to decide in certain cases. On 74b, there is a discussion about certain foods that contain an overabundance of blood, raw meat, eggs, and the jugular vein. There is this, a dispute on that matter involving Rabbi Acha and Rabina. In the rest of the entire Torah, Rabbi Acha takes a strict position. Rabina takes the lenient position. And the decided law is according to Rabina's lenient opinion. Except with respect to these three. In which case, Rabbi Acha takes the lenient position and Ravina the stringent one. But the law accords with Rabbi Acha, who took the lenient position. While there are numerous examples where the stricter opinion seems to be the preferable one, this is one example where the lenient position is preferred, even though it goes against the usual principle of whom the halacha is according to. Thank you for listening, and I hope that you tune in to, to tomorrow to Daily Daf Differently. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.